Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, a look at a left-leaning midterm election poll that really might be worth putting some faith in. And we'll hear from an expert in artificial intelligence to see how she thinks AI might be able to fix America's bad polling problem. For reasons that I probably don't have to explain to you, it's hard to put a lot of faith in polls these days. In recent months, for example, polling has claimed a wide range of outcomes for the upcoming midterm elections. Some polls, you may have heard, are predicting a landslide victory for the Republican Party, which is typical, by the way, of midterms when the party that is the opposite of the party of the president tends to make large gains. Will you add to that President Joe Biden's lackluster popularity, ongoing support for Donald Trump, the poor economy, crime, the border crisis, energy and education concerns, and many other problems, and some Republicans are feeling confident. But of course, you may have heard other polls that say Republicans have lost their momentum and may realize few to no big wins. Add to that opposition to Donald Trump, concerns about restrictions on abortion, and media and big tech support for Democrats, and some Democrats are feeling hopeful now. Well, there is a new ABC News Washington Post poll that may be worth examining from a predictive standpoint. And I started paying attention to this poll because I got a tip from someone who was called for the poll and asked what he thought were some strange questions. We'll get to that in just a moment. But as usual, as you look at the poll, the pollsters interviewed a Democrat-heavy sample. That's typical, although this was not as heavily skewed left as many polls are. But what if I told you that also possibly impacting the results of this poll, according to the one respondent I spoke to, the pollsters asked to survey the youngest female in the household. That's what was supposedly asked when the pollsters first called and the person picked up the phone. And if no female was said to be in the household, because there wasn't one in this household that was called, then the pollster asked to survey the youngest male in the household to answer the poll questions. Now, I talked to a few pollsters. I can't say that this is never done or that there's never a legitimate reason to do it, but the ones I spoke to who are experienced in this couldn't think of any. They don't think that's appropriate. Shopping for the youth demographics in a poll is more likely, they say, to skew the sample toward Democrats or liberal positions. I contacted the poll's producer, Langer Research, to ask for comment on this and figure out why their poll takers would have asked some people or all of the people that they contacted to speak to the youngest person in the household, but they did not get back with me after repeated attempts for me to contact them. So especially considering 
these factors, that it was a Democrat-heavy sample and that they may have been shopping for young people to answer the questions, I think it's worth paying attention to the results because it found some remarkably weak findings for Democrats. And we are left to conclude that the findings would actually be even weaker if they had not shopped for a youth demographic or interviewed a Democrat-heavy sample. So the headline in the poll results was, Biden struggles as does his party. Most Dems look elsewhere for 2024. The fact that the liberal-leaning news outlets that sponsored the poll, ABC News and the Washington Post, actually approved that headline, one that's overtly negative for Biden and Democrats, again suggests matters may be even worse than advertised for liberal causes, because typically they will hunt for a bit of news, at least in my experience, within the poll that they can spin as positive for Democrats, even if there is a lot of information in the poll that is not. So according to the write-up of the poll results, a clear majority of Democrats and Democrat-leaning independents, 56% say Biden should not be the presidential nominee in 2024. And since 1946, say the pollsters, when a president's approval has been less than 50%, as Biden's is by a considerable margin now, his party has lost an average of 37 seats in Congress. So while the Democrats do not like their most likely nominee, Biden, Republicans and Republican-leaning independents do favor Trump as their nominee over any other Republican. But that's by a pretty slim margin, 47 to 46 percent. So I'm going to go through some other findings that I think we should pay attention to in this ABC News Washington Post poll. Biden job performance among Americans, 39 percent approve. That's an all-time low for Biden in this poll. 53 percent disapprove of the Biden job performance. Biden on the economy, 36% approve, another all-time low for Biden in this poll. 57% disapprove of Biden on the economy. 74% say the economy is in bad shape, up from 58% just after Biden took office. The preference of likely voters in the midterms, 51% say they favor Republicans, 46% say they favor Democrats. Now, again, this is a Democrat-heavy sample. So when you get 51% favoring Republicans, it speaks to the fact that more of the independents are splitting apparently toward Republicans. A preference among registered voters in a Trump versus Biden rematch, 48% favor Trump, 46% favor Biden. The poll is close, but again, considering the fact that they may have been shopping for a youth demographic and interviewed more Democrats. The fact that Trump beats out Biden in this sample, even by a slight margin, is something to pay attention to. And this 48% to 46% finding for Trump doesn't seem to make much sense when paired with another finding. The poll claimed that 52% of Americans say Trump should be charged with a crime. So 48%... Over 46% favor Trump over Biden, and yet 52% supposedly say Trump should be charged with a crime. I'm going to have another side note from the poll respondent that I spoke to on this question of Trump being charged with a crime in just a few minutes. When it comes to issues people are looking at in this poll, abortion was fifth on the list of issues impacting their propensity to vote. 
31% say Democrats are too permissive on abortion. 50% say Republicans are too restrictive on abortion. For the Supreme Court ruling on abortion, which found that abortion is a matter for states to decide, 29% said they support the Supreme Court ruling. 64% say they oppose it. 76% of those who do support the Supreme Court abortion ruling say they are certain to vote in the midterms. 70% of those who oppose the Supreme Court ruling say they are certain to vote. So a greater percentage of those who like the Supreme Court ruling, sending abortion to the states, 76% of them say they're certain to vote. Just 70% of those who oppose the Supreme Court ruling say they're certain to vote. Sort of interesting. Top issue impacting votes for Congress, supposedly in this order, from most to slightly less. 84% say the economy is the top issue. 77% say education. 76% say inflation. 69% say crime. 62% say abortion. 61% say immigration. We'll take that to mean illegal immigration and the border problem. 50% say climate change. Again, reflecting, I think, other polls that say the nation is quite split 50-50 on whether they think climate change is real or is man-made or is a serious problem. Republicans lead Democrats by 16 points on the economy, 19 points on inflation, 14 points on crime, which is the largest margin for that since 1991. And when you look at those really critical independents, I guess most elections hinge on which way the independents break. Independents pick Republicans over Democrats on handling crime by 34 points. Democrats, though, beat Republicans by 23 points on climate change, 20 points on abortion, and six points on education. Looking broadly, the poll says Americans are even 42% to 42% on which party they trust more to cope with the main problems the country faces. Well, why is a tie considered a positive for Republicans in this instance? Well, because that's a high mark for Republicans since at least 2006 and a net loss for Democrats on that score who typically had a five-point lead on the question of which party they trust more to cope with main problems. Democrats typically had a five-point lead since 1982 until now. In another measure, more people preferred a Democrat-controlled Congress as a check on President Trump by a margin of 55% to 39%. But today, that's switched. 48% prefer a Republican-controlled Congress as a check on Biden to just 45%. So again, 48% prefer Republican-controlled Congress to 45%. And that splits even better for Republicans when you look at just the subset of likely voters. 51 to 46% prefer a Republican-controlled Congress as a check on Biden. Among registered voters in competitive or close congressional districts where there's supposedly a horse race going on, 55% favor Republicans and 34% favor Democrats. Looking at some racial breakdowns, 72% of those who said they are white said they are certain to vote in the midterms. 55% of those who said they are black are certain to vote in the midterms and 46% of Hispanics. 
This next phenomenon, I think, gets far less attention than it probably deserves. The Democrats lead among Blacks in the last four midterm exit polls has been at least a 79-point margin over Republicans. It's just not even close. But the Democrats' lead among Blacks has now shrunk 18 points, very significant, down to 61-point lead over Republicans. Same with Hispanics. The Democrats' lead is down from a 40-point margin in 2018. In 2019 exit polls, registered voters with no college degree split their votes evenly between Democrats and Republicans. But today, Republican candidates have an 11-point advantage in this group of registered voters with no college degree. Women under age 40 support the Democratic candidate in their own district by 19 points, but that's way down from 43 points in the 2018 exit polling. A few more points of note, even in the Democrat-heavy sample, Among suburban women, 47% favor Republicans to 44% Democrats. Among independent women, the Republicans have a five-point lead over Democrats. Among independent men, Republicans have a three-point lead over Democrats. And overall for independents, 47% say they are for Republicans, 42% for Democrats. That's another one that really matters because... That's a five percentage point advantage for Republicans among independents. And yet in 2018, independents voted for Democrats by 12 points. Looking at the total polling sample, it's only 1,006 people. It's amazing to me that a sample that small, and often samples are even smaller, can be extrapolated to mean anything about the population at large. But I guess these polling scientists have this down and they know what they're doing. That's actually much smaller than some of the unscientific polls that I conduct at CherylAxon.com. But among that sample of 1,006 people, 28% were Democrats, about 281 people. 24% were Republicans, about 241 people. And 41% were independents, 412 people. Among the total polling sample, if you look at how many were registered voters, because They ask some questions only among registered voters. 908 people among the 1,006 were registered voters. 27% call themselves Democrats. That's 245 people. 26% Republicans, 236 people. And 40% Independents, 363 people. Now, I mentioned a moment ago there was a question about crime in the poll And an interesting comment from someone I spoke to who was questioned for this poll, who alerted me to this. The question was, the U.S. Justice Department is currently investigating Donald Trump on issues including his fundraising, his handling of classified materials, and his actions related to the storming of the U.S. Capitol last January. Obviously, they mean January of 2021, not January 2022. The question continues, given what you've heard or read, Do you think Trump should or should not be charged with a crime in any of these matters? And according to the findings, 52% say he should be charged with a crime, 39% say he should not, and 10% said no opinion. But according to the polling respondent that I spoke to, the pollster actually offered him a different choice of answer that's not listed in these results. He was given a choice 
don't know enough yet, which is the one he chose. He says he was not given the option of no opinion. And he told me, quote, if I had been given only should or should not be charged with a crime as choices, I would have said Trump should not be charged. He goes on to say the fact that he was given the choice of don't know enough yet, which he picked, but that may have skewed an important question if they spun that into no opinion. He says he thinks that could be misleading. And again, I contacted the producer of the survey to ask about this, Langer Research Associates, but they did not respond. After a short break, we're going to dig a little deeper into the polling question with an expert who says artificial intelligence can take some of the inaccuracy and bias out of polls. More in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Now we hear from Alyssa Choi, an economist who has a strategic AI predictive market research agency called Maven Data. Polling has such a bad reputation right now for obvious reasons. You've said that election polling should be scrapped once and for all as they don't work and that there's a more accurate and unbiased way to predict trends and how people will behave. Before we dig into it, can you give me just a one paragraph overview of what's a more accurate way? A more accurate way relative to election polling. Let's just keep it narrow to that question. First of all, uh, you always have to look at the sample data, right? So the method that we use is the internet. So all of a sudden you've got the scale and size of information online that people consume in every second of their day in the privacy of their own screen. So when we analyse what people care about and the sentiment around narratives in that environment, it becomes more unbiased compared to, say, asking a question in an answer format for a small sample of people. When you're looking at information that exists on the internet through people's behavior, do you call through that? I believe you said you have to use artificial intelligence because there's so much material. In simple terms, how does that work? In simple terms, so the data set we use to analyze anything in relation to markets is open source internet content outside a firewall. So websites, blogs, social media, anything outside a paid firewall, we can see. A lot of people can see. You can buy that information wholesale. But what you need is um, technology like artificial intelligence to process that information. And we're talking about petabytes of data. And a petabyte is 10 to the power of 15. So that's one with 15 zeros bytes of data, right? That's how much we process to analyze a market. And so you've got the immense data set, you've got the technology, and with artificial intelligence, we're using machine learning, specifically natural language processing. So the computer analyzes the content based on what we ask it to see. 
So if it's looking at behavior and emotion and sentiment, not a specific answer to a question, how does it turn that into what those people's voting behavior might be? That's a really good question. So say, for example, we're looking at an election and we've done that in the past. So 2016, it was Clinton and Trump. Uh, 2020, it was Trump and Biden. So we, we all know that the election polling was saying that in both those elections, it was going to be a landslide, right, for the Democrats. And that, that didn't happen at all, was by no means a landslide. So the questions that would have been asked, at least, you know, in those um, election polling processes are, would you vote for Trump or Biden? What do you think is, who do you think is a better leader? I think they have sort of leading questions around that, Trump or Biden, et cetera, et cetera. So the way we approach that is it's actually very, very similar. So when we looked at the 2020 US presidential election, looking at Trump and Biden from multiple angles, looking at content online based on their leadership, trust, economy, law and order, all those attributes of choice that would have been asked in a direct question in a poll, we could also attack through uh, internet content. Because somebody is writing about it in a positive way or negative way or commenting on it? Yes, correct. So if you think about the content online, anybody can talk about any of these issues. And so we, what we look at is if we're testing Biden leadership, for example, we'd be pulling all content that is contextualized related to that narrative Biden with respect to his leadership. Now, we can do that in English and we can do it in any major source language. So in the 2020 election, what was very interesting was when we looked at these attributes for the candidates, English and Spanish, sometimes the results were very, very different. And that fed into our assessment of calling the key battleground states for the election in 2020. We got seven out of nine accurate. Which is a good record considering what <laughs> other polling companies predicted. Which is a very good record. And our main statement from the very start was that it was not going to be a landslide. Trump had very strong favor um, in certain key states, and they were very different depending on the Hispanic speaking, uh, the Spanish speaking and the English speaking markets. Are there privacy concerns with taking data that exists online and turning it into something on the part of the people using the internet? That, I think, is an issue that is very difficult to solve. Uh, privacy, who owns the content that is outside posted online? Like if I post something, if you post something, it originates from me and you, but once it's out there, who actually owns it? We don't know that true answer. And then you've got people who take it and transform it and translate it, like myself, into something else. Who owns that? I don't know. It's such a murky world. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't think anyone can actually answer the question of what is true data and what is not true data. So a lot of people could do this because the data is out there and you said available for purchase. Do you think we'll see a lot of AI internet type polling for the next presidential election? I think it's already been done. So people have been using Twitter data. Uh, they've been using social media data particularly. So it's nothing new. What we're doing is nothing new. What we're doing is actually bringing together um, technology that's been around since the 1950s, to be honest. It's improved over time, but you've also had the immense amount of data that's been created in the last 10 years. 
Well, there's a stat, a very old stat, but still quite poignant. 90% of the world's data has been created in the last two years. And that accounts to 2.5 quintillion bytes a day. Now, I just spoke about petabytes, and that's 10 to the power of 15. A quintillion is 10 to the power of 18. So 2.5 quintillion bytes of data is being created every single day by our actions, behaviours, events, news, all that. So how do you make sense of that? What's true and not true? No one can answer that question. But I guess what it comes back to is, how do you know an insight is true? How can you trust any data? The best way that I would answer that question is, like with anything that you digest, whether it's food, you want to know the source, where the food's from, how it's grown, how it's processed, who made it. Do, they, do I trust that they did what they said they would do? And then in the end, what's the result? So same with data, same with questions. What's the source data? So in our world, it's the internet. Nobody owns it. Nobody touches it. It's all out there for all to see. It's not a survey or a sample that's carefully selected. It's none of that. So where's the data source? And then the second question is, how do they process the data? Certain methods are better for certain types of data sets. So it's just like, you know, you drink uh, soup with a spoon, not a fork. So same thing with technology. There are better ways to cut and dice insights and translate data. And then you come to the person who's explaining it, like myself. Do you trust that person? Does that person have an agenda? Does that person have an ulterior motive? You know, what's the reason why they're doing this exercise? And for me, it's around, I want to find the truth in the data. I want to understand what the narrative is and I want to share what I see. And I don't have any particular bend towards a, polit a political sway. I'm here to expose what I see as the truth from the data that I use. We know that in recent years, maybe it's always this way, but I've noticed more in recent years, polling is used to shape public opinion rather than measure public opinion. Maybe that's part of why it's so wrong sometimes. Is the same peril possible using data from the internet for people who want to shape opinion? 100%. You can take whatever you want from the internet and craft a story based on your technique and your particular angle or your objective, right? So I've been working in data over 20 years for various roles. You give a data set to 10 different analysts, we'll all have very different outcomes of, as to what we see. So if you can imagine the world of data that's out there, technology at play, who are you going to trust? I think it goes back down to people. Who's the practitioner that you trust in what they're saying and how have they got the experience and consistency over time that demonstrates that they're trustworthy and accurate? You have to be accurate, otherwise you're not worth it. Last question. Um, are you confident that this method at least allows for those who use it that way for more accurate polling than what we've been seeing? I go by my evidence, and I would say 100%. So we've been looking at elections since 2016. The first one was Clinton and, and Trump. So we took a look at that and we said, oh, I think Trump's got a good chance, and he did. Same thing with Biden. So we've been refining the methodology using elections because the, it's the best experiment to test your method. You've got an outcome that's defined and you've got a lead up and we can measure sentiment as it changes over time. It shifts quite dramatically, particularly in elections. So based on our track record, I would say, of course, we're much better than polls, which is why I'm here. Okay, you could sit there for just a minute. Um, what did you see when 
this was so weird to me that Biden got more votes than anybody in history and Trump got more votes than he got last time and more votes than anybody sitting president in history. Like, is yeah. that seen in the did you see that in the data that both of them were going to get historically? There was just so much enthusiasm. Yeah. The signal that when I was I always look at it retrospectively going, what can we learn from that experiment? Right. Um, the signal that would have alluded to the fact that voter turnout was beyond historical records for both sides was the intensity of emotions that were coming through. Mm-hmm. So Trump was a very good character in creating that that play. He was a very good actor in creating that scene, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the, the ups and the downs in the election as it went along. And so because of that, there was tons of engagement and that engagement was emotive. So it's about strong emotions that change behavior. Mm-hmm. So when we saw the intensity of emotions, be it positive or negative, mm-hmm. signals that they will probably have more people voting than in the past. How much more? I wouldn't know. That's yeah. down to the nth right. degree. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you will share it with your friends and leave a great review. Check out this week's edition of my TV program, Full Measure, on Sunday, October 9th, to see the Alyssa Choi interview. Also this week, a fascinating cover story that Scott Thuman researched deep in an Idaho mine about our race against China for cobalt. It may sound arcane, but this is important to the products we use every day and to our national security. And it's going to be a lot of fun for you to see what Scott and his tour guides dug up in this mine. I will be reporting from Germany on the Ukrainian refugee crisis they're dealing with there. Millions have fled Ukraine and Europe is inundated. In some ways, they're dealing with something similar to what we're dealing with with our border crisis, only here they are illegal border crossers, while there they are crossing into Europe legally. But regardless, in both places, it's costing a ton of money and stressing systems. To find out how to watch Full Measure, you can go to CherylAckison.com and click the Full Measure tab for a TV station list of stations and times. It'll also tell you how to watch online or on our app STIRR, S-T-I-R-R, which is free. I hope you'll support independent journalism by considering a visit to CherylAckison.com and clicking the Store tab to see some great products for yourself or your friends. Anyone who's an independent thinker, items with slogans like... I tested positive for critical thinking or do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.